the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is an award-winning director and producer, his company, Gear Productions. Uh, Through his company, he's directed and produced hundreds of TV commercials, corporate videos, short films, feature films, and documentaries. And documentaries are what we're going to talk about uh, this hour with... uh, the filmmaker behind uh, two new documentaries, Wounded Heroes, and let me make sure I get the uh, the other one right, Healing the Heroes of 9-11. His name is Michael Geary. He joins me by phone. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Good to be here. Um, Michael, with all that you do in film, um, you know, from TV commercials to documentaries, are you really enamored with uh, the form of filmmaking, um, or are you more uh, drawn by the the substance, the the material that you're uh, doing film about, like these new films? You know, I think... I like it all, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> I, I love, because we produce films with actors. You know, we're, I'm in Los Angeles, and my yeah. company is Geyer Productions, and we actually produce here in L.A., actually all over the world. But I get to hire great union actors here for my projects, which is just a lot of fun to get to hire these amazing actors, put together a project, and then release it, and, you know, it has some success. Um, and then also just I've always enjoyed doing projects that have a positive message in them. And something that actually makes a difference in someone's life, and in the case of these last two films, saves lives. You know, I think we're going to help lower the suicide rate 
because of the content in these films. And that just gives me a reason to get up. Um, it's not just the fun. It's the fact that I feel like I'm doing something that's giving back and helping others that I really enjoy more than anything. Well, it was just uh, a few weeks ago um, that we commemorated the 20th anniversary of the uh, September 11th attack on, uh, well, the World Trade Center, the Twin Towers, uh, the uh, Pentagon, and, of course, the plane that went down in uh, Pennsylvania. And that makes both of these, well, and and also, uh, at the same time, we were seeing news reports of uh, the withdrawal, the the awkward withdrawal from the Af- from Afghanistan. It makes both of these films very timely. Michael, was that by design, or did uh, things kind of just fall into place? Well, both. So for my first film, Wounded Heroes, that was just produced because I found a need. Um, I was in San Diego interviewing a gentleman. His name was Carl. He was a veteran. And he was in his 20s, battling post-traumatic stress, had tried to commit suicide, and he was on 16 different prescription medications, down from 18, which was shocking to me that someone that young could be on that many medications. And he said they weren't really helping. It was just more of a Band-Aid pushing back symptoms. So I thought, there's got to be something more than just all of this medication that's not actually solving the problem. There's got to be something out there that actually helps and does solve the problem of post-traumatic stress. So that set me off on the three-year journey. And we produced Wounded Heroes, released it in March, just showing there are many different alternative treatments available that not only push back or temporarily temporarily help PTS, it actually takes away and solves post-traumatic stress. And there are some who will say, I don't believe that because they've tried everything and nothing's worked. But they'll see it in the film. We've got dozens of veterans and first responders who are all miserable, hopeless, suicidal, who now have their lives back and are living happy, fulfilling lives. When you were researching for this film and and gathering the material for this film, Wounded Heroes, were you surprised by the number of returning soldiers that are affected by PTSD and and ultimately uh, uh, the often resulting suicide rate? I think more than anything, the suicide rate is is what really got me uh, because it is so high, and not only among our veterans, but also our first responders. They also have very high suicide rates, and something's got to be done about all of it. And when I first started the project, I knew nothing about post-traumatic stress, and I actually thought it was something that only the military dealt with. I mean, I was just very ignorant at the time and realized now that first, post-traumatic stress is a normal reaction to a traumatic event. So anybody who is battling post-traumatic stress, they should not feel disordered or that there's something wrong with them mentally other than it's an injury that can be healed. Um, and well, I, you so know, Michael, I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be so humble about, you know, not being very aware of how many people can be affected by post-traumatic stress. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of us have uh, really had that same sort of understanding that was only related to people who had served in combat situations. It was the Mm -hmm. modern-day version of what they used to call, uh, after World War II, shell shock. Yeah. And and we think of it that way. We think of it as as being related to the horrors of war. But 
unfortunately, life presents some other horrors too. Exactly. Yeah, if you can get you can get into a serious uh, car accident, you know, and it can be tr- very traumatic and horrific, and somebody can have post-traumatic stress. People who have been abused as children, <clears throat> even child abuse, you know, uh, physical abuse, all of these things can cause post-traumatic stress throughout their lives, and that's the beauty of the treatments that we found that are featured in the film that they can help anybody. And so I produced the film originally with veterans and our military in mind and then kind of broadened it into including first responders and then broadened it even more into saying, look, these are, these are things that anybody can benefit from. Right, because anybody can fall victim of post-traumatic stress just based on some horrific uh, occurrence in their life you know getting mugged in central park you know could have the same effect on somebody um yeah and and it's it's interesting that the timing of this michael because you had wounded heroes or wounded warriors out in march and then in september uh the healing the heroes of 9-11 how much overlap was there for you yeah so that's a great question so wounded heroes was released in march as i said and then what, there's a gentleman in wounded heroes dan jarvis he was a veteran and retired sheriff who was battling post-traumatic stress and he was very suicidal and he found something that completely changed his life gave him his life back so he started a nonprofit called 220.org and he was featured in Wounded Heroes as somebody who was in a really bad place, who was healed from the post-traumatic stress. Not only that, he was so, felt so good, he wanted to help others. So he's helped thousands now across the country. He is the one who came to me and said, Michael, I have an idea. I want to do a film called Healing the Heroes of 9-11. Will you produce it and direct it? And I said, absolutely. And the point was, he wanted to show that if 9-11 first responders who as the film explains, as they explain in the film, the trauma that they experienced there and their battle with post-traumatic stress all these whole last 20 years, if they can be healed from post-traumatic stress, then he wanted to show through this film that anyone can be healed through post-traumatic stress. So it was his idea. So then from there, he gave me the ball and I ran with it, you know, uh, just put together the team and we filmed in New York, in Florida. We also had one of the first responders we filmed in Japan and he called me two week, uh, two months, two weeks. Oh my gosh, that wouldn't have been possible. Two months before, <laughs> before <laughs> two months was barely possible. When he told me, I was like, Dan, do you realize I only have two months? It's <laughs> that a long time to put together a film. I've never worked so hard in such a short amount of time. Uh, but we managed to get it released on 9-11. And it's such a powerful film because it complements Wounded Heroes. One, uh, two, it shows an amazing uh, alternative treatment called T as in Tom, R, P as in Paul, Trauma Resiliency Protocol. And what it does is we, we filmed the first responders before TRP as they tell their stories in their battle with post-traumatic stress. Then they do TRP. Then we bring them back and film them again to talk about if there was an impact or not. And all five had wow. dramatic positive impacts in their lives showing Again, that post-traumatic stress can be behind you and, and not control you the rest of your life. Now, I have to admit to a certain amount of ignorance or naivete. When you were talking about Dan as, as being um, 
very suicidal. Um, you know, I think of, of suicide as sort of a binary state. Um, you're either not suicidal or you attempt to or commit suicide. Uh, how does someone, I, I mean, are people that are suicidal aware that they're suicidal? Uh, I think they do. They are. I mean, thank God I've never been in that position, but talking to so many of them that have been, like Carl in San Diego, he basically said, it's not that he really wanted to take his life. He said, I, you get yourself in a zone. And the zone being, you are in so much pain, you just want it to stop. And you're in this zone where you're just so miserable uh, and you can't figure out anything to fix it and you can't escape it because it's, it's in you, it's part of you. And so no matter where you go, it goes with you. And so you're just in that zone and he goes, at that point, you just want to, it just stops so you want to you decide to take your life by suicide in hopes that it will stop now for dan dan said on on camera in healing the heroes of 9-11 he said look i didn't want to take my life he goes but i was sick and tired of being sick and tired and so for a period of time he contemplated it it was like is this if this is all life has i don't want to live anymore because the life i have is so miserable day after day 24 7 uh, from guilt and many things that he experienced overseas. He was in charge of a, a large group of uh, soldiers. And, you know, some of his decisions caused lives to be lost. And, and unfortunately, that's just war, and there's no way he can second-guess, and there's no way he can um, know in advance if a decision he makes is going to save lives or, or take lives. But just the guilt that some of those decisions took lives, even though he made the right decision at that time, with the information he had, it's still that guilt was just weighing down on him. And again, he couldn't escape it. And he said he was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so it was seriously for a period of time, just thinking it's not getting better. I, I, just, I have no option except to take my life. So those it, are the two I heard the most from. Is it, yeah, it sounds almost as if people come to the conclusion that they're just ready to go and, you know, end up somewhere along the line making the decision to hurry it along a little. Yeah, and, and the, the reason is simply because they don't want to live a miserable life for the rest of their life. They'd rather shorten it so that they're not living in misery for however long they're going to live. And here's something else I'd say which I loved about Wounded Heroes. Uh, and this, this just kind of you know, happened on accident because I, was, I interviewed each of the veterans and first responders. You know, and they just told me where they are today versus where they were when they were suicidal. And... You know, one, one woman said, you know, life is worth living again. For somebody who thinks life is miserable and that it may never be worth living again, to get to a place where she has a smile on her face and she's sitting on camera and she says life is worth living again is so powerful. That is. Another gentleman, he was a veteran and firefighter. Um, Michael, Michael, I'm sorry sure. to interrupt, but, but hang on to that Please. story about the firefighter. I have to take a break here. Um, can you stick you around it. for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Because this is fascinating. Please, you bet. All right. My, my guest is uh, filmmaker Michael Gear. He has two films uh, uh, recently uh, released, um, Wounded Warriors and Healing the Heroes of 9-11. And we'll talk about both films and uh, much, much more with Michael Gear after we let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about two recently uh, released documentary films, one called uh, Wounded Warriors and the other called Hero, uh, Healing the Heroes of 9-11 by filmmaker Michael Geyer, who joins me by phone. Michael, welcome back, and uh, thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, absolutely. Glad to be here. And also, Michael, I want to thank you for the text, letting me know how to pronounce your name. I'm terrible, and I'll try it. I'm terrible with, I'm terrible with names, and I always appreciate it if somebody will teach me how to say it right. Anyway, Michael Geyer is my guest. And, uh, Michael, you were just, just about to tell me about a fireman you had talked to uh, for one of, the, one of the films. Yes. He's he, just an amazing guy. He served the country. He served as a firefighter. And he just had so many demons because of what he, some of the things he experienced. And he sitting there again on camera after battling post-traumatic stress and being healed from it said, I've never been happier in my entire life. So that was even before post-traumatic stress. He's now at a place where he's happier than he's ever been. And that's a, a powerful statement. And then the, the third one I want to tell you about, which really got me, and it still brings me to tears when I watch Wounded Heroes, is he uh, said, I feel like a soldier again. And I don't know why that is so impactful to me and, I, and many others from what I've heard, but he was somebody who, you know, felt like a soldier. He was strong. He probably felt invincible, as many soldiers do, and, you know, out there fighting for our country. And then the post-traumatic stress just took him out. And then to be back at a place where he can stand strong and say, I feel like a soldier again, to me was just so powerful. And again, more evidence that people can get their lives back. When you were um, looking at these at, at these stories, uh, especially, um, well, obviously with uh, with distraught war vets in uh, wounded warriors, but also in developing the film "Healing the Heroes of 9/11," were you? Um, I don't know what the right expression would be. Um, surprised or, or moved or affected by the number of first responders that end up um, taking the pain of the people they've uh, saved or tried to save home with them every day? Yeah, and, you know, and it makes sense because, you know, being a civilian, I never really thought about it. You know, to be honest, you know, I just lived my life as a civilian. I, I hadn't thought about what our first responders deal with on a daily basis and i'm now friends with fire chiefs police chiefs you know detectives regular firefighters uh, 911 dispatchers all over the country and and i've heard their stories and i've got a firefighter friend in canada he he contacts me regularly but he tells me the fires he's putting out day after day after day or you know the day he showed up to a building to put out a fire it was an apartment complex and a woman up on the top balcony is burning alive you know he has to watch oh, that hear her screams and this is just a day in the job for him, you know, and then he said, you know, it, it, it really affects him dramatically, but he has to ignore it in the moment because he has a job to do. He's got more lives to save. He's got fires to put out, but he just saw something and heard the screams and the cries, which, which were horrific. And, and yet he has to put that aside and go do his job. Uh, and then when he gets back to the station, that's when it can, it all hits him. Uh, that and many other things that he may have experienced during that one fire. And they go to fire after fire, day after day after day. 
you know, trying to save the life of a child, you know, that they try everything and then they lose that child. It's, it's not their fault, but when they see that on a regular basis, um, and police officers, what they experience on a regular basis, that's their daily job, trauma after trauma, that it makes sense that eventually it's going to corrode and eat away and it's going to start affecting them in some way. And in this case, many times post-traumatic stress. And so, yeah, it, it makes sense, but I just never realized it. And that's why I've just got, got this passion now, just to make sure they understand that there is a way to get help. And here, if you don't mind, I'll tell you about, a little more about TRP, which I love. Yeah, Something please. 220 it's what they're doing, 220.org. They call it peer-to-peer support. But what they're doing is they're training people in police departments and fire departments and other departments, like even our guards that protect the uh, prisoners and things. They're training all of them in TRP so that when they go to a scene and they see something horrific, normally that's just one horrific thing on top of over years and, you know, post-traumatic stress starts showing up. Now, when they experience something horrific, they can go to a fellow police officer, for example, and say, man, what we, we, that, that major shooting we were at yesterday, it's really bothering me. It's really getting to me. And that fellow officer can run him through, TR, he or she, through TRP, and then that person can have it dealt with on the job before it has a chance to compound and become something that destroys their life through post-traumatic stress. And so that's one of 220's goals is to get people trained um, and then so that they don't have to contact HR, they don't have to go see a psychiatrist, they don't have to get drugged up, they can literally have it taken care of right there on the spot. And we interviewed a number of uh, police officers and sheriffs in Healing the Heroes of 9-11, and they were talking about how one of them, he says he was operating at maybe 25%. He was in such bad shape because of his post-traumatic stress. And so they talked about the importance of not having to have post-traumatic stress in your life because it allows our veterans and our first responders and our military to operate at 100%, which is what they want to do, which is what we want them to do. It protects them. It protects those they're confronting. Uh, and it also protects the families who have to deal with their post-traumatic stress as well. So it's a huge, I, I think, an amazing thing that 220 is doing to help them all deal with it as it happens so that it doesn't become a problem in their life and also to fix the post-traumatic stress they're currently dealing with so they can start working at 100% again. You know, Michael, I will never forget as, as long as I live. Um, and, you know, we just went through the 20th anniversary of September 11th, and we see all the, the Facebook memes and social media posts about, you know, lest we forget and never forget and all that. Mm. But I really never will forget those images because I, like millions of other Americans, watched all that unfold on television and when you talk about that uh, firefighter you know seeing someone you know on fire on top of a building mm. i remember those images of um and and there were two or three at least that i remember seeing of people who had to make the decision between being burned alive or jumping yeah, And that was such a powerful image. And we learned something that day as a country, I think, and, and you have uh, articulated it extremely well. Um, you know, we were just civilians until we saw those first responders go into the fire. Yeah. You know, they a lot of those, a lot of those firefighters and police officers and, and, uh, 
uh, medical people, you know, charged mm-hmm. right into those buildings that were really about to collapse. And yeah. I, I think we, I, I think we view first responders in a very different light since that day. And if we don't, we should. Absolutely. And something that one of the firefighters from 9-11 said on camera is that 9-11, for many of those firefighters, they had just graduated the academy. That was their first fire. Can you imagine? Oh, man. And many of them didn't, many of them didn't make it out. You know? So that was their first day and their last day. I mean, that's, that's so sad. It breaks your heart. And, yeah. It, and then as far as people jumping, you know, Bonnie, who was one of the first responders we interviewed, she talked about, one, driving into the city, and then she turned to her partner and said, I think we just ran over a body. And then, two, not too long later, she sees a lady come flying down, who had jumped, flying down in front of her. The wind picked her up, carried her over. She hit uh, the glass, the front window of a car that was parked. And Bonnie said, I will never forget what she was wearing. And she described her to a T, her hair color, the boots, the shirt, the pants. Mm. It's imprinted on her brain. And then after that, she said, we kept hearing, bang, bang, bang. And she said, we realized it was jumpers, people who were jumping. I mean, all around them, you know, bodies oh, just dropping from the sky. Can you imagine experiencing that, watching that? No, I, I, mean, I, are, I really like, can't. No. I'm, I'm with you, Michael. I, you know, I just, I count on first responders to be there if an emergency happens, and hopefully an emergency mm-hmm. never happens. But they're going to those emergencies every day. Yeah. And and kudos to you for uh, the work that you've done on these two films, uh, Wounded Warriors and uh, the other one, Healing the Heroes of uh, 9-11. With documentary films, um, how can people see these films? Because they're not typically in wide release, as they say. Yeah, so Wounded, so I know it's, it's, it's just confusing because there's Wounded Warriors out there, that organization, but this film is actually Wounded Heroes. And, oh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I, I, oh, that's all right. I was uh, it, trying it, to make sure I differentiated between the two films <laughs> because I thought they were different. But uh, yeah. Wounded Heroes and well, yeah. Healing wounded, Heroes. Okay, got it. Well, so, so, yeah, Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes. And you know what? It, it, that, unfortunately, that, mis- that mistake is ha- happens commonly because we all know about the Wounded Warrior Organization that's out there, uh, and this film has nothing to do with them. But, uh, but it is. It's uh, Wounded Heroes, and it's available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, Roku. I mean, it's everywhere. Uh, and if you go to WoundedHeroesDocumentary.com, that has the trailer, the film trailer. It's got links to all of the, the different platforms where it's available, and it can be rented for $4, I think it is. Um, and, you know, we... The only reason we're charging for it is because we ha- we're just trying to reimburse ourselves for the cost. My wife and I funded the film. It had a $250,000 budget. We wanted to raise money so we could give it away, and we only raised 12000 bucks. <laughs> so we, were, we, were, we were a little bit short. And so you raise money my, my like I do, it. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. I learned very quickly. So, you know, but it, the film was important enough to my wife and I that, you know, we agreed that we were going to go ahead and produce it anyway and get it out there so uh we can't give it away so we're, we're doing the rental thing in hopes of reimbursing ourselves the other thing we're doing actually if you don't mind me talking about it is sponsor no. a hero sponsor a hero gives people the opportunity to purchase screenings for our heroes that we then give away at no cost 
And so we've had people spend $20 and then we can give away the film to five different people. We've had companies spend thousands of dollars, you know, doing the same thing. So that also does two things. It helps us to get reimbursed for our expenses. And then it also allows us to then still give it away for free uh, with the public's help. So that's also on the website, WoundedHeroesDocumentary.com, sponsor a hero. And then healing the heroes of 9-11. I've got great news for that one. 220 produced it, and they're offering it for free on their website, 220, and it's spelled out, the number two, the number two, and then spell out zero, Z-E-R-O.org. And you can watch that film for free. It's, it's 60 minutes long, so it's just short. Well, it's considered a feature. Anything over 40 minutes is still considered a feature, but I consider it a short film because it's half the length of my other one. <laughs> so, oh, is, but, uh, is but it's, Wounded Heroes then a full-length documentary? Yeah, it's a full length and it's an hour and fifty five zero uh, minutes long. And then healing the heroes is is uh, but there's so much more content and great content and wounded heroes. Um, and with the other one, which is a powerful film, it's only dealing with the one TRP, which is I think you know an amazing treatment that can change and save lives. Uh, but wounded heroes still also has so much more information and and details about so many other things that it's also important to watch. But you can see Healing the Heroes of 9-11 for free on their website, 220.org. Michael, where can we find out more about you and, uh, and your work, past, present, and, and future? So that would be, uh, I have a personal website, which is just my first and last name, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, and then my last name, G-I-E-R.com, MichaelGeyer.com. And that has, because I started off as an entertainer, I spent most of my life uh, most of my adult life as an entertainer. Uh, that's how I made a living. And then uh, eventually, and now I still work as an actor on television and film. I still do that here in Hollywood. In now, addition, in 2000. Now, come on. You, you can't use a term like entertainer and, <laughs> and not have me ask, what did you do in show business? <laughs> hey, because all of a sudden, you know, I'm picturing spinning plates and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I could be. I worked for the circus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, well, you know, I, I've always, since I was a young teen uh, in San Diego, where I grew up, I singer, dancer, actor. So I've uh, starred in Broadway shows all over the country, actually all over the world. I've performed all over the world. But as a singer, dancer, actor, um, let's see, and then. I, I tap dance. If you remember Gregory Hines, the yes. uh, amazing tap dancer, I tap danced with him and his movie Tap uh, when I was in my 20s. That was released years ago, before, of course, before he passed. He, he died young, which is very sad. Um, let me think. I'm trying to think of some of the big things that you might know. I sang with the Lawrence Welk Show in Branson, Missouri for five years um, at the Lawrence Welk Champagne Theater with all of the original Welk TV stars. Uh, I was one of their new stars that the Welk organization was promoting. We had a 20-piece orchestra and a 2,300-seat beautiful theater. Wow. Uh, I performed live at the uh, MTV Awards in 99. I was in a music video that was very popular worldwide, and we won three of the four awards we were nominated for. And as I said, we got to perform live. We sang live on the Jerry Lewis Stars Across America Muscular History Telethon back when he was doing those. Um, so lots of things. And then eventually I transitioned into... Uh, television and film work, and so here in Los Angeles, I've done NCIS Los Angeles. Uh, recently, oh, yeah. I was on Baskets, uh, which is a, was a big TV show on the FX network. Um, I worked with Brooke Shields for a week on her sitcom. I mean, just lots of, I've been on every single soap opera here in LA, five of them. 
<laughs> two, two of them are no longer here, and the other three are still here. But uh, yes, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's been a great career. As I love working as a singer, dancer, actor, but uh, and tap dancing was my favorite. I mean, I did jazz and musical theater and all that other type of dance, but tap is always my favorite. And so I did a lot of shows where I was also tap dancing as the lead in the show. Um, but yeah, it was, it's been a fun career. I, I always, whenever somebody talks about tap dancing, it, there are so many greats to remember. But for some reason, the image that always pops into my head is Johnny Carson trying to tap dance his way out of a bad joke. <laughs> and, and I don't know why that is. That might be a little twisted, Michael. But uh, <laughs> That's funny, though. Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> So yeah, now but now I produce films and and I love both. And once in a while I get hired as an actor still, and and I love it. And I have a lot of friends who are actors. I have one who just got cast. He's in Walking Dead now, the the new uh, season eleven. He's one of the Reapers, which is a new group of bad guys. And so I've got friends in so many different TV shows, and I've got friends that are executive producers, creators of TV shows. Um, and so it's fun to be involved in the business still and, and get cast as an actor every so often. But my passion now is, is filmmaking and producing stories that, as I mentioned earlier, change lives. And both of these films, Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes of 9-11, do just that. Well, that's, that's uh, fascinating that you're talking about acting and, and how many of your friends are, are actors. And, and it, it actually kind of ties in my guest in the hour before you were on was uh, 12-year-old Owen Atlas, who was in uh, mm. Little Evil. And uh, these are both Netflix uh, films. Um, and one that's premiering tonight on uh, Netflix, or today, rather, on Netflix, The Starling, with Kevin Klein mm. and Melissa McCarthy. He's 12 years old, and he's done all kinds of really cool stuff. Wow. All because when he was... As he says, as 12-year-old Owen says to me in the interview, when I was a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea that's hilarious. I, I know. He's still I, a little guy. I, I, I had to ask him. I said, well, wait, what's a little kid to you, four or five? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, but but he, he, he got the bug from yeah. watching uh, Jack Sparrow. Oh, that's great. That was such a great character. <laughs> yeah, he just, that was it. He knew, I want to do that. I and, love and it. And he, he studied uh, sword fighting and martial arts and all kinds of stuff. And, wow. And the, the kid's just amazing and, and so disciplined. And I didn't get the impression that it was, there was a stage mom there whispering in yeah. his ear, you know. I mean, he just. Good for him. He's just driven. Anyway, it just makes a nice companion to that. But we, we just have uh, a little less than five minutes left. And I want to make sure we get back to and talk about these two amazing uh, documentary films, Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes of 9-11, which are uh, both out now and available from filmmaker Michael Gear. Um, Michael, let's let's make sure we go over again uh, where people might track these flicks down. And, and what's, what's next for you? Uh, so first, to see the film, WoundedHeroesDocumentary.com has links to all of the different platforms. Amazon, iTunes, and the others that the film is on. Hearing the Heroes of 9-11 can be seen at 220.org for free. And another really important point I forgot to mention is that 220 does their TRP protocol for free 
to first responders, veterans, military, and their families. So there's zero cost. You can watch the film for free. You can get your life back for free. Uh, so that's a really important message that people need to know. And for me, as far as what's next, I'm kind of taking it easy the rest of this year because, you know, healing the heroes, doing so much work in two, two months was, was so difficult. <laughs> tell you. So I'm taking time off and uh, I'm trying to figure out, I want to do another documentary. And then we also have a feature film that we want to do with actors called temporarily, it's called Wounded Heroes, but it has a storyline of post-traumatic stress. It's a father-son uh, relationship storyline as well. Vietnam veteran is the father and Afghanistan veteran is the son. Um, so it's a theatrical film that we want to produce. So we're raising money for that as I'm also looking for a documentary to produce. So that's what we're, I'm kind of doing right now. Well, I, Michael, I appreciate you spending this time with me and um, kudos on these, uh, on these two films and tackling these uh, very serious uh, uh, subjects. Um, I, I guess all I can say is thanks for sharing some of the stories with uh, me and the listeners this morning, but also in in those films and keep up the good work. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate you having me on because it helps get the message that these films are available to the people who need to see them. So thank you for your help in getting the word out. Yeah, let me let me ask you one more thing. Where can you find out about, you mentioned this a little a little bit earlier, um, where people can um, make make a donation and it makes the film available to... Mm. Yeah, they can go to the WoundedHeroesDocumentary.com website and there will be a page that says Sponsor a Hero. Ah. And then they can just purchase screenings that we'll give away for, for free to our heroes. Well, I think I might even go searching for that this afternoon. Michael, thank you so much for spending this time with me. And again, keep up the good work. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Again, that was uh, Michael Geyer. I kept saying gear, but it's uh, Michael Geyer, um, an award-winning director-producer from Geyer Productions who uh, just recently came out with the um, with the films. Well, I guess it was in March for... Uh, wounded heroes and then on uh, september 11th for the other one uh, healing the heroes of 9-11 and uh, pretty pretty amazing stuff anyway if you're listening to us at wfov 92.1 lpfm our voices radio in flint they are a broadcast service of the flint odyssey house spectacle productions and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And I do want to tell you that we're uh, in the process. I've been uh, talking about it for a few weeks now uh, that people are starting to get out and about from quarantine a little bit that we were wanting to get armchair politics out on the road. And we will be doing armchair politics from hell. The week of Halloween, October 27th, that Wednesday from 9 a.m. to noon. You're welcome to join us. Uh, it, we've, uh, this is something we've done for several years, but uh, weren't able to do last year because of the pandemic. And uh, the Hell Saloon has a uh, new owner, and he's uh, agreed to let us uh, pick up and start doing the show from there for Halloween again. So we will be there October 27th. Uh, from 9 a.m. to noon at the Hell Saloon in Hell, Michigan with Armchair Politics.
Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Jonah Pody. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current-day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to AmericanSchismBook.com. 
MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. The brightest moment in any serviceman's day is mail call. That is, it's bright if there's mail. Let's go out to the company area for mail call. Okay, here we go. Settle down. Mail call. Settle down. Chat. Yo. Godlewski. Yo. Droz. Yo. Duncan. Yo, yo. <laughs> McDiamond. Yo. Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> Occupant. I don't know, it's a bar of soap. It says occupant on it. <laughs> Terran. Yeah. Gazentite. Yeah. Castellano. Yeah. Jimenez. Just take this mailbag back to the mailroom. Take the mailbag? Back to the mailroom? I mean, there's, there's nothing for me? The only thing left is this bar of soap for occupants. You can have that? I'll take that. <laughs> Listen, uh, Corporal, could I ask you a favor? Sure. The next mail call, could you just call off my name anyway? Well, what do you mean, Jose? Well... See, every time I come out here, the mail call and everybody else gets letters and there's never anything for me and it's very embarrassing. Well, why do you come out for mail call? Why don't you just stay in the barracks? I'd rather be embarrassed and lonely. <laughs> well, look, uh, how can I call out your name if you don't have a letter? Well, I got a letter. I thought of that. Just hand me this one. This is the last one I got six months ago. I haven't, haven't had a letter since then. Well, who's the letter from? My devoted girlfriend. Your devoted girlfriend? Yeah, she doesn't devote very good. Anyway, I'll tell you something. In this letter, I, I 
kind of get the feeling maybe she's not so crazy about me anymore. You know, if you if you kind of read between the lines, you could tell. If you read between the lines, well, what does she say? Well, I'll read it to you. Dear sir, <laughs> my husband and I <laughs> were wondering. I have only comparatively recently emerged from the United States Army, so that I am now, of course, in the radioactive reserve. And the usual jokes about the Army aside, one of the many fine things one has to admit is the way that the Army has carried the American democratic ideal to its logical conclusion in the sense that not only do they prohibit discrimination on the grounds of race, creed, and color, but also on the grounds of ability. <laughs> Be that as it may, some of you may recall the publicity a few years ago attendant upon the Army's search for an official Army song to be the counterpart of the Navy's Anchors Away and the Air Force's Up in the Air Junior Birdman and so on. <laughs> I, uh, I was in basic training at the time, and I recall our platoon sergeant, who was an unfrocked Marine. <laughs> Actually, the change of service had come as quite a blow to him because it meant that he had to memorize a new serial number which took up most of his time. <laughs> At any rate, I recall this sergeant's informing me and my roommates of, uh, <laughs> of this rather deplorable fact that the Army didn't have any official, excuse me, didn't have no official song. <laughs> and uh, suggested, suggested that we work on this in our copious free time. <laughs> well, I submitted the following song, which is called It Makes a Fellow Proud to Be a Soldier, which I think demonstrates the proper spirit, you'll agree. However, the fact that it did not win the contest, I can ascribe only to blatant favoritism on the part of the judges. platoon must swell with pride for the nation's youth the cream of which is marching at his side for the fascinating rules and regulations that we share and the quaint and curious costumes that we're called upon to wear now al joined up to do his part defending you and me he wants to fight and bleed and kill and die for liberty. With the hell of war, he's come to grips, policing up the filter tips. It makes a fella proud to be a soldier. When Pete was only in the seventh grade, he stabbed a cop. He's real RA material, and he was glad to swap his switchblade and his old zip gun for a bayonet and a new M1. It makes a fella proud to be a soldier. After Johnny got through basic training, he was a soldier through and through when he was done. Its effects were so well rooted that the next day he saluted a good humor man, an usher, and a nun. <laughs> now, Fred's an intellectual, brings a book to every meal. He likes the deep philosophers, like Norman Vincent Peale. <laughs> He thinks the army's just the thing because he finds it broadening. It makes a fella proud to be a soldier. 
flunked out of second grade and never finished school. He doesn't know a shelter half from an entrenching tool, but he's going to be a big success. He heads his class at OCS. It makes a fella proud to be a soldier. Our old mess sergeant's taste buds have been shot off in the war. But his savory collations add to our esprit de corps. To think of all the marvelous ways they're using plastics nowadays. It makes a fella proud to be a soldier. Our lieutenant is the up-and-coming type. Played with soldiers as a boy, you just can't bet. It is written in the stars. He will get his captain's bars, but he hasn't got enough box tops yet. <laughs> Our captain has a handicap to cope with, sad to tell. He's from Georgia, and he doesn't speak the language very well. He used to be, so rumor has, the dean of men at Alcatraz. It makes a fella proud to be what as a kid I vowed to be. What luck to be allowed to be a soldier at This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Old Fashioned Radio For a new generation TomSumnerProgram.com the Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner That wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. An interesting lineup. It was uh, fascinating talking with um, my uh, guest this past hour, the uh, uh, filmmaker Michael Geyer, um, talking about his two films, Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes of 9-11. And before that, child actor, uh, 12-year-old Owen Atlas, talking about uh, the movie he's going to be in with uh, Kevin Klein and Melissa McCarthy, which uh, premieres today on Netflix. And then uh, another uh, sort of timely conversation earlier this morning with the author of a new book, Dear Barack, The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel, of course, the uh, German chancellor, for the last 16 years is uh, stepping down. We'll have, uh, after Sunday, a new German chancellor. Anyway, that wraps it up for the week, and uh, that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. But I'll be back Monday with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program, so have a great weekend. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. 
most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.